Please pray with me. Gracious God, open our hearts to the power of your loving word. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. So today we hear some stories about how family is created, literally, but also metaphorically. We hear a bit of the story of Sarah and her husband Abraham and the child that they are going to have, who will be named Isaac. You may be familiar, Sarah, Sarah and Abraham were pretty old, and for a long time, they knew that, that God was going to bless them with a large descendants, with a multitude of children, so to speak. Not just theirs, but generations to come. And at some point, they took matters into their own hands because it wasn't happening really fast enough for them. And they, they had a solution. And this is God coming back around and saying, so, so yeah, like, trust me, I've got this. I'm going to bring about this new thing through this child that you are going to have, even though you are quite old. And eventually, Sarah and Abraham have a second-born son named Isaac. And it is through Isaac that the people of Israel are descended. God makes God's covenant with Isaac and Isaac's lineage. I just want to point out this moment in the exchange between Abraham and God. Abraham and, and Sarah, Abraham and Hagar, it's a complicated story for another day, they have a child already named Ishmael. They already have a firstborn son. And some people think of Ishmael as being lesser because he was Hagar's child, but, but Sarah talks about Hagar. She says to Abram, take Hagar on as another wife so that her descendants will be our descendants. So Abraham says, God... I know you're going to do this thing through Isaac, through this child that is to come, but I wish, I wish that you would see and recognize Ishmael as my son. And God says, I hear you, and I will. I do. I will bless Ishmael and his descendants. He will be the beginning of a great nation. There will be many chieftains in his lineage. It's one of those beautiful moments to me but a character in the Bible, and Abraham and Sarah, they are matriarch and patriarch of the Abrahamic faiths. They are larger than life and beloved, and they are messed up as well. They make some pretty terrible decisions. Um, the way that Sarah treats Hagar, the way that Sarah is treated sometimes by Abraham, like it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty conflicted. And here Abraham is in all of his humanity advocating in conversation, in dialogue with God. And God hears. Our gospel this morning, we hear the story of Mary going to visit Elizabeth. Mary is a very young, unwed woman who has just found out from this divine, angelic experience with Gabriel that she is going to bear God's son. I can only imagine the thoughts running through her head. But as we know from that encounter with Gabriel that we heard about last week, she says yes. She says, here I am. I will participate. So she leaves town and goes and finds her friend and confidant, Elizabeth, somebody part of her family. Elizabeth, who's also an older woman, 
there's this beautiful echo of Sarah. Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, is a priest, um, which means that Elizabeth was probably fairly steeped in the scripture. And as this story reveals, so was Mary. But Elizabeth had also been waiting, desiring a child. And Mary goes and greets her on this moment where Elizabeth is like, wow, the baby that is growing within my body just reacted to being in your presence. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, she says. And I imagine they spend three months together at Elizabeth's home in the agricultural town of Ein Karem, which is what it is called today. I imagine talking and sharing and learning, probably speaking about their fears and their hopes for what is to come. Now, I don't usually veer into the content warning place in a sermon, but I'm going to this morning. Because I, I can't not draw attention to this. Elizabeth greets Mary, blessed are you among women. It sounds like a lovely way to greet someone that you know that you love, you are hopeful for their future, you are desiring God's blessing to them. But this phrase is actually steeped in the scripture that they would have known. And this phrase refers to two other women in the First Testament, in the Hebrew scriptures. This phrase is what was said of Jael, and this phrase is what was said of Judith. Both of these women were warriors, in the, like, heading out into the battlefield sort of way. There's the content warning. I'm not going to go into great detail for either one of these, but Jael was the wife of a military commander. She finds herself with the, the enemy, the head of the enemy army, and she does what needs to be done to subdue him and to end that conflict. And Deborah, who was judge of the people at that time, she sings this song, and she says to Jael, Blessed are you among women. Mary is being compared to a warrior from their faith stories. Judith, her story is from the Apocrypha. Um, the book of Judith is sometimes described as, as a novel of the early centuries. Many of you may be familiar with some of the art and the sculpture that depicts Judith with Holofernes. I probably don't need to go into such graphic detail on that as well, but Judith does what needs to be done to subdue the enemy commander. You can Google the artwork if you like when you get home. So Mary, who is frequently presented as this meek and mild vessel for the Christ child is being compared to these women warriors. Except there's something different that's going to happen with Mary's story and with Elizabeth's story. They live in a time of political unrest, of tension, of dis-ease. They live in a time where things were not unfolding the way they would hope. And yet here these two women are letting hope grow and build literally within them, but also between them and through them. 
As author Kelly Nikondeha has written a book called The First Advent in Palestine. And she spends some time describing what the experience between Mary and Elizabeth might have been like. And she suggests that, I quote, they were probably having conversations about what it might look like to raise revolutionary men who would be part of deliverance, ending war, rather than contributing to its incessant cycles. And what might justice look like for Judea and Galilee? the places where these women lived. What might justice look like for us in the various places and roles in which we live, in which we dwell? This year, we are doing something new with our scriptures. We are listening to fresh translations offered by Will DeGaffney, who is an Episcopal priest, we're going to hear more, vo more of the voices, or the lack of voices, of women in the scriptures. Some things that she offers that went towards this work, um, I want to share with you. She, she talks about how, just like many other languages, Hebrew is a binary language. So the, the language of our sacred stories is a binary language. There is feminine and masculine. Most biblical language for God is masculine, but not all. Some of the biblical language in the original Hebrew is feminine, but it hasn't been translated that way. Most of the time when we hear about the spirit, that language in Hebrew is feminine. But throughout the years, throughout the ages, the reinforcement of God and masculine language has taken root. Well, the Gaffney was interviewed by Grace Jason Kim, who is another um, pastor and theologian. And she was asking her about some of her choices in language. And this is a quote. This is what Will Gaffney had to say. When people use neutral language or inclusive language, they're not shifting their paradigms. Somebody who thinks God is an old white man with a beard is going to hear father in their head, whether you say creator or redeemer or sovereign or provider. But when you say mother, they have to readjust. Readjusting. Isn't that what a life of faith is about? Making choices to practice living one's life aligned with our experience of God. Readjusting. That's what Sarah and Abraham and, frankly, Ishmael were engaged with in that story from long ago. Readjusting is certainly what Mary and Elizabeth were engaged in. Have any of you created space for something new? Often it doesn't unfold the way we expect. There are often several readjustments to come into alignment with what is coming into being, with something new. May we follow in the footsteps of Sarah and Mary and Elizabeth and all the others, cultivating space to receive what is coming, to receive the Christ child.